Lord, we do come together and collectively we greet you this morning and we offer up uh, our thanksgiving to you for the new day, for life. Thank you for all that you have done for us. And Father, we even by faith, thank you for what you have in store for us, not only in this next hour, but in this day, uh, that our hearts would be especially attuned to you and the things that you have uh, in store for us. Father, that our hands, our hearts, our heads, even our feet, Father, would be made available to you, that we would receive what you have for us and that we would be willing to offer up what, what might be of benefit. So I thank you for my brothers this day, and we commit this time to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, fellas, well, we're here with our fourth week on um, Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, we've taken some time uh, the first week, just as a, a quick reminder, I'm not going to walk through everything, but to me it's always important for us to be reminded that we cannot simply just start at Ephesians chapter 4 and not be reminded of what was uh, communicated in chapters 1 through 3 because the significance of the foundation that was laid in the first three chapters really gives us the ability to know what to properly do with uh, chapters 4, 5, and 6. And so, plain and simple, we talked about it, that it is the doctrine. It's, it lays out basically who He is and who we are and the relationship that we have with Him. Then 4, 5, and 6 really lays out how we live a life uh, in concert and in, in a connected fashion and way with him as in acts of service, but also relationally. And that's really where we're going to focus today. Uh, so much of what we want to look at today has a very profound and significant impact on relationships. And so I think it's timely. Uh, I hope it's going to be beneficial to us as well. Uh, last week, James uh, Madden took on for us kind of the first part of, of Ephesians 4, and especially 11 and 12, uh, where we looked at the idea of he gave some as apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And then it goes on to say, for the building up of the body of Christ. And James walked us through and talked about the strange gifts and talked about how he's looking at those four offices as he lays them out there. But then he talked all about, if you remember, he took us to the bigger picture as well of, of all of the giftings that Paul talks about in his writings that we as believers in Christ are given and that we can live out and flesh out in our daily lives. So today I get the privilege of picking back up with that and looking at the verses 11 through 16 which are on the handout there on your table. And I want to kind of almost start out, and I, I, I really was a little bit reticent to do this, but I have to be honest with you that even given some of the current things going on in our city today, uh, caused me to have to focus on this in a way that, that uh, I just wanted to have almost an honest evaluation, if I could. And so we see this beautiful thing unfold in these verses that's on the handout. And it says that, that He is given us these gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of Christ, the body of Christ. 
And then he goes on and lists out several things that we occur that occur as a result of that. And so my dilemma this morning is that there is a strong part of me that, that wants to start out, and I know this sounds, what I would say, a little bit on the downer side, or maybe even we might use the word negative side, but if I were to be honest with my evaluation of the body, not just PCPC, but the body of Christ in the Western world, I'm really inclined to say to you all this morning that I don't really see the body being built up, as he says will occur. Uh, I don't really see much unity of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God, which he says will occur. I don't really see much in terms of mature manhood, which he says will occur. I do see what looks like a lot of children, which he says shouldn't occur. I see that they are being tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, which he says should not occur. And I see that they are affected by human cunning, which again he says should not necessarily occur. And lastly, I see that they are affected by craftiness and deceitful schemes, which again should not be occurring. I think there's some place in here that we should be extremely challenged this morning. Challenged as men, challenged as believers in Christ, and I'll even be specific for those of us today who are members of PCPC to say challenged as members of our church to take seriously what is the condition of the body of Christ in the Western world today. And this is not just based on our tragedy and based on things that we feel like now have risen to the surface. Now, these are things that I think we need to be looking at regardless of what has taken place. And so in my notes I've written down here and I said, if this is true, to whatever measure then I believe there are two very serious things that we need to take a look at today. And these are things that are are spelled out very clearly in the passage that, that we're going to be looking at. Here's the good news for you, though. Here's what I'm not going to do today. I'm not going to call you to try harder. Uh, I'm not going to call you this morning to increase your level of accountability, although I think accountability is important. I'm not going to call you to separate yourself into to try to live a holy life out of a separated lifestyle, but instead I want us to explore what Paul meant when he talked about the role of apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherd teachers. And I want us to look, as James Madden encouraged us last week or two weeks ago, to look at all of the giftedness and to see what's embodied here that says maybe there's something that we are not in the Western world, and I... I'm going to underscore that repeatedly. There are places that the body of Christ in this world today, thanks be to God, are thriving. And so I want us to be called out to something more than that today in that same vein. But looking at the giftedness that, that we're talking about that Paul details throughout Scripture, 
It says in this particular verse, verse 11, that they were to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And that says it is for the building up of the body of Christ. And so the first place I want to start is this idea of equip. And if we really believe what, what Paul says there in this particular passage, it says <clears throat> they are, that, that even, I could say, not they, but not just we, but I would be a little bit more emphatic and say you are equipped for the work of ministry. You are to be equipped for the work of ministry and that in some way that will be the building up of the body of Christ. And if it builds up the body of Christ, then all the things that Paul mentions will actually happen. Well, what are those things again? We'll see the body built up. We'll see unity of faith. We'll see the knowledge of the Son of God. We'll see mature manhood. We won't be tossed to and fro by every wave and carried about by every wind of doctrine. There won't be the human cunning that takes place or the craftiness of deceitful schemes. And can it be that our Father in Heaven has actually entrusted to us something that is very essential, and that's the work of the ministry? My question for us today, are we up for that or do we run from that? And you can say to me this morning, well, Pat, I'm here, right? And I go, yeah, and I'm thrilled you are here, guys. I'm, I'm really thrilled. And so let's look at what this actually means for us. Verse 12 says, To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. It tells us, in my mind emphatically, that there are some who are called to do the equipping. But what that also then entails is that there are some who are to be equipped. So for every one of us in the room here today, we are either sitting here today to help equip or to be equipped. But the reality for us is, is that we do not get around this need for us to be equipped. We do not have an out in that sense. And what we are equipped to do, what he is actually wanting to do through us through this is huge, guys. It cannot work, and I have to underscore this, it cannot work if we have a professional model of ministry in mind. And I think we're pretty familiar with what a professional model of ministry is. I fund you to do the work of ministry. Well, I, I can tell you guys, I want to say a big thank you. Thank you for the pay line that I'm given through this church. I am deeply grateful for it. But I would never want that to be considered that for me or anybody else on the church staff separates us in such a way that we're to do the work and you simply by funding us gets the work done. We know conceptually in our heads that does not work and yet it can be a very easy default for us if we're not careful. In fact, we are called to do the work of ministry for the building up of what? Of the body of Christ. Now that's a big call. That's a really big call for us. So I leave this idea for us because James touched on it two weeks ago. So we've got this idea that we are called to be equipped for the building up of the body. But there's something else that ties in with the passage that we're looking here 
And this is the one I want us to explore a little bit more deeply today. The second part of this is found in verse 15. The first four verses that we've looked at, he tells us what equipping should do and what the building up of the body should look like and what it will prevent. But verse 15 starts out with the word, rather. Now that word, if you look at different translations, could either be, but, it could be instead, but it is meant to be a very significant transition for us to get our attention that says, wait a minute, there is something different here that we've got to consider. And so I want to look at what the significance of that is. It says, verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. I want to stop there, and I want us to reflect what it is that he just said. Tells us, rather, speaking the truth in love. I have to admit, gentlemen, I have been a proponent for many, many years of the need to speak the truth in love. But I don't know that I've ever really, in my own personal studies, have drilled down to the point that seeing what is contained here for us in this particular passage realized the depth and the significance of what that phrase and what the ripple effects are of that for us today. We are to speak the truth in love, and he goes on to say, for the reasons why. We are to grow up, speak the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. There is a very direct connection here between what speaking the truth is and how we grow up into Him, into the Lord Jesus Christ, and glorify Him. Today, I cannot simply teach Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 without calling our attention to some of the things that Paul wrote to us in this letter. I believe Paul demonstrates for us a very powerful example of what it means to speak the truth in love. I have to call us back first, though, with what he laid the foundation of. of. And I want us to realize, if you have your scriptures, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 1, 20 through 23. The passage in Ephesians 4 indicates to us that Christ holds the entire body together and He is to receive great glory because of that. Speaking the truth in love is something that anybody can do outside the four walls of this room. But speaking the truth in love in ways that brings glory and honor to the one who holds the body together is what becomes so significant. And Paul takes the time in Ephesians chapter 1 to say to us what God did, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. 
And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Gentlemen, there is no higher office, no higher role, no higher calling than where the Lord Jesus Christ is. And so there is this idea that Paul lays out for us continuously about who Christ is and the work that he did for us and the role that he now has and what our hearts and lives are directed to, to praising and glorifying and honoring him. Ephesians chapter 2, he says something similar. He says, so then you are now no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. There is this picture that he's giving us of our relationship with Christ our union with Christ that we saw so clearly in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 that sets us up to live out the Christian life in 4, 5, and 6. But we have to understand the preeminence of Christ and His role. And the reason that I take this little detour to make sure we understand this is because when Paul's talking about the need to speak the truth in love, he is bringing it together that it is to be done when we acknowledge that Christ is the one who holds the whole body together, but He has called us to do something that can help build up that body. Now that's hard for me to grasp, and this is the part that I have to tell you all is where I have done the most introspective thinking. And the reality that's like, wow, my words that I speak to others could be instrumental in building up the body of Christ and giving glory and honor to Him. So, our passage though we look at, it says when, this is the Ephesians 4 passage, when each part is working properly, this is the last verse in verse 16, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Can you believe today that speaking the truth in love is, and then this idea of being equipped all begins to help the body work more effectively? And then the result of that is that when each part is working properly, what's that part? You, it's me, it's all of us in this room, it's PCPC, it's believers all around the world. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I, I think that's incredibly powerful today. And, and the reason is I come back and I go, fellas, what is the reverberating message that we've been hearing since Thursday night? How many times are we hearing since Thursday night about love? But it's not really this same kind of love. It is a love that is manufactured out of a human effort 
to go and treat people in a certain way. Everyone would, would get on board with that. Let's just love each other. And, and, but really only through Christ is that even remotely possible. And yet, here's the problem. The perception about Christianity in the church today is it's, it's like we're not perceived as lovers. We're perceived as haters. We're not perceived as unifiers. We're perceived as dividers. We're, we're, not, we're not perceived as part of the solution or even the solution. Let me rephrase it. We're not perceived as being the solution or even a part of the solution. We're Honestly, we're perceived as being part of the problem. And I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm out there on an island on that, but I think that there's some real significance to that that we've got to take into consideration. And so going back to the word rather in verse 15, I want you to stop again and see what comes next. Speaking the truth in love. And that's, gentlemen, if I could just take our time here this morning to say, how in the world do we speak the truth in love? You know, I, I, I was thinking about this, and especially this morning, and given the gathering that's here, it's like, how do you speak the truth in love? And so, you know, somebody could be sitting there saying, uh, you know, I love you, brother, but your coffee breath this morning is killing me. Okay? <laughs> Uh, and and there's, a, there's a bit of that that's like, okay, that's a nice thing to say. Um, and we might, we might even find that level of speaking the truth in love to be difficult. But Paul has demonstrated us marvelously in his letter to the Ephesians how to speak the truth in love. I want to call your attention to a few of the things that he did. He reminds us in so many ways who God is what He thinks of us, who we are, what He has done for us, and what He has called us to. All right, we all give a hearty amen to that. It is powerful and it's done in such a way that we can receive it, but at the same time, He does not back down or sugarcoat anything. He does not avoid and He does not clobber. He speaks, He calls, He reminds, He exhorts. He speaks the truth in love. He is seeking to equip us for the work of ministry in the book of Ephesians. He is encouraging us to continue to be equipped for the work of ministry. He is exhorting us to equip others for the work of ministry. And therefore, I want us today to take a look at that model of what it means to speak the truth in love. I think there is great resistance on our parts to really learn and know how to speak the truth in love. And that's why I tell you all that our passage today really gets us to a very deep and significant part of relationships. Ephesians 2, 11 through 16, Paul takes on something that is so pertinent to where we are living today. It's the removal of the dividing wall of hostility. It had to do at that time with the culture that, this, that the Ephesians were living in. And it was done in such a way that he says, hey, there is no Jew and Gentile anymore. That dividing wall that kept the two of you separate, 
that caused so much hate has been removed now through the work of Christ. And what Christ did was He unified the Jews and the Gentiles. He, he unified the cultures by being able to say to them, it's no longer about what you think or about what you think, it's about what He thinks. It's no longer finding any self-righteousness on my part and putting myself above. It is realizing how, in, what an incredible recipient of the grace of God I am and that it wasn't based on anything that I did, but what He did for me. And so we've, we can embrace that today. It's why I truly believe that as Christians, we have the answer for racial reconciliation because we know what it means to be reconciled between us and a holy God. And if we can be reconciled with the holy God, how can we not be reconciled with others that we live this life with? Now, if that's not hard enough, um, Ephesians 5, we move forward from what he shared with us, uh, the passage that we're looking at today, and verses 1 through 21 talks about walking in love with others. Talks about what our relationships should look like in community and how we live that out with our brothers and sisters. So it's not just this kind of large uh, concept of racial reconciliation, but it is manifested also in walking with each other. And I believe speaking the truth in love becomes an important part of that. The third one that Paul takes on is for husbands and wives in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. And it's like, wow, now he's gone from the racial reconciliation to walking in community to what it looks like in the context of marriage. Gentlemen, I, I, you know, I stand here today as a hypocrite, as a man with a failed marriage. But I do not stand here today with any less conviction about what Paul has said to us in this particular passage and what the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ can do for us in the midst of this and what is required of us in speaking the truth in love to have the kind of healthy relationships that are based out of the very heart of the gospel. So then I ask, well, what, what is it that speaking the truth in love, what does it do? The beauty of speaking the truth in love allows me to use my eyes to help you see your blind spots. But if that's all that it is, then we've got a problem. But as I walk, I want the benefit of your eyes to see my blind spots. The reality is, every one of us sitting here in this room today, every one of us has significant blind spots. Why is that such a big deal? Because then it creates for us a need for each other. But the only way that you can access me is if there is a sense of humility within my own heart and life that says, 
I need to receive what you have to give me because I'm very much aware I've got blind spots and I can't see them. Now the problem is most of us in the room today have scores of examples of times that people spoke the truth in love to us. We don't just have examples, we've got the scars to prove it. We're not very good at it. Whereas I said that Paul doesn't avoid and doesn't clobber, we're pretty good at both of those. And I believe that there is an element for us today that says, what would it look like for me to grow in my ability to speak the truth in love? What kind of blessing would I be to the people around me as I improve and increase in my ability to speak the truth in love? What would it be as I avail myself to other people so that they might learn how better to speak the truth in love to me? Do I really believe that's important? Or do I give lip service to that? Because here's where I'm going to go with it, fellas. He includes speaking the truth in love as a critical component of building up the body of Christ. It's not just a secondary thought. It is a critical component of it. And that's why I think it becomes essential for us. So here's a bit of my challenge for you today. I hope this isn't like, wow, I never thought about that. But here's where I would go. I would ask you a simple question. How does your table function? How does your table function? Can you think of any time that your table, and especially if you have come on a regular basis and your table is met for any frequency is, has there ever been any occasion or occurrence where one of you has spoken the truth in love to another brother at the table. My concern is that we leave it on a theoretical level. We leave it on a process level in here. And I gotta tell you guys, I, I, I probably hold Paul and Chad a little too high in esteem I think the teaching that you all have been, uh, it's been availed to you the past two years is as good as you'll find anywhere else in the United States. Thank you, Bruce. You're right. Those guys are incredible. Here's where I go with it. If it's not stimulating conversations at your table, they tee you up week after week after week to have conversations that allow you to engage the people at your table in deeply significant ways so that you are not walking out of here energized by a good message. You are walking out of here with a sense of connection that has impacted your life in a very significant way. We don't just have a 30-minute message and then ask you to sit around the table and talk about it so that you can finish up your cup of coffee and then leave. You're sitting at the tables today because 
you have the privilege of speaking the truth and love to the person on your right and the person on your left. Then I would ask you this, is there any possibility that by doing it in here, what I, where I cannot think, fellas, of a safer place, you're getting your training wheels in here to be able to do it outside this door. Men, those of you that are married, learn how to do it at the table here so you can do it with your wife, with your children. Learn how to do it in here so that you can do it with your friends and other family members and co-workers. And learn how to do it for the sake that it might lead to the building up of the body. And I've got to tell you once again, look with me to the very last part. It says, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We desperately want to see the love of Christ being expressed and lived out outside this door and on the streets of Dallas in such a way that people are drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask for your help on that. We ask that you would, even at our tables today, stir our hearts, O oh God. Allow us to be men of courage, of conviction. And Father, may it start with me. In Jesus' name, amen.